join us if you dare. It's movie night at your drive-in of terror. Each week, you'll hear about one campy movie for a laugh. One terrifying feature sure to scare your pants off. And one kid-friendly scare for the little ones. Or not-so-little ones, needing a little less terror. The show's about to start. Get comfy and sit down in front. Oh, and one more thing. This episode contains spoilers. Consider yourself warm. Enjoy the show, if you're brave enough. Take it away, Shay. I'm Shay, and I'm here with my good friend Tom. Pull on in to our Driving of Terror for Season 2, Episode 4 of Scare Your Pants Off, because it's movie night. In tonight's episode, our fright-filled feature is It. So grab your snacks, and we'll kill the lights. How you doing, Tom? I am excellent. How are you today? I'm really good. I can't, I love how our movies lined up just by chance today, and you're talking about a clown movie, and I'm talking about a clown movie, and yeah, no, I'm super excited, and um, I am always looking for an excuse to rewatch some of my favorite movies just so I'm, you know, fresh on them, and uh, it's, yeah, I'm excited about this episode. Yeah, we got a good slate from this this week of movies, um, and yeah, that that sort of synergy that we, we did not plan it that way, but we're both that that went together perfect like that, like for no for not planning it that way that we both have clown movies because uh, and two different clown movies as well, mm-hmm. They're very different, but um, yeah, really r- really cool. So uh, so what's new? Anything? <sighs> Nothing really. I think I feel like I'm boring. I don't. I have nothing new. Uh, getting ready for. Um, I'm just doing a lot of art stuff, uh, paintings, and um, getting ready for craft shows with my cousin, and just doing a whole bunch of stuff. So it's uh, really nothing super exciting, but it's all stuff that I love doing. Uh, what about you? No, I'm saying I, I feel like I'm boring. I feel like a refrain as I listen to uh episodes as they drop uh uh from season one and it's like we're well, talking a lot but it's like yeah i work that's what i feel i'm so boring i was just like i work a lot you know so it's uh yeah outside of the podcast though when people say hey what do you do you'd be like i podcast yeah <laughs> i do you know i i i'm yeah so i don't do a lot but it's uh it's summer so trying to get out more, trying to get back into shape. I'm really getting into really bad shape right now. So I'm trying to work out more and and stuff like that. So not a whole heck of a lot though here. For those looking for a laugh, it's time for the campy. So I have a campy movie this week. Oh my God. I'm going to decline this call. This guy, sorry, we can edit this out. This guy has this tendency to call me just whenever I start doing something. And uh, that's sorry, my mom. So, that's all right. That's, that's exactly what my mom does. Um, all right. So I had the campy movie this week, and it is one of my all time favorites. I remember seeing it as a child and just being completely creeped out by it. 
And the movie is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So, so good. Cult classic, 1988 American science fiction comedy horror film written, directed, and produced by the Kyoto Brothers, starring Grant Kramer, Suzanne Snyder, Josh Island Nelson, and John Vernon. And it is actually the only movie that was ever written and directed by the Kyoto Brothers. And they actually created all the practical and makeup effects for the film, which I thought was pretty interesting because it's not CGI, which I really love. Um, and there's nothing wrong with CGI. I like CGI as well, but there's something to be said for those older 80s movies with the actual effects and stuff. And I, I just love them in this. The clowns, they're just so good. Uh, real quick and synopsis before I get into the plot is... Um, it's about a clan of evil extraterrestrials who all resemble clowns. They arrive on Earth and invade a small town in order to capture, kill, and harvest the human inhabitants to use as sustenance. So, again, it was released in 1988, so I think I was eight years old, right, seven or eight, depending uh, um, when it came out. Um, so, here's the plot. Just outside the town of Crescent Grove, Mike Tobacco and his girlfriend, Debbie Stone, are parked with other couples at the local lover's lane. I just love local lover's lanes and movies. I just, it's something to be said. It just brings me to a, a simpler time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they're at the lover's lane and they spot a strange glowing object falling to earth. Nearby, farmer Gene Green... I love the names too. Mike Tobacco, Gene Green, Debbie Stone, just Tony you know, just, okay. <laughs> uh, this, uh, Oh, Debbie Stone. A product of the couples that love that they see the strange glowing object falling to earth. Nearby farmer Gene Green, believing it to be Haley's comet, ventures into the woods to find the impact site. And this is when he stumbles upon a large circus tent-like structure. And then him, he and his dog are captured by mysterious clown-like aliens known as clowns with a K. Mike and De Debbie then arrive to investigate for themselves. Entering the structure, they, they discover a complex interior with bizarre rooms and eventually realize it is the object and a spaceship. It, it almost reminded me of the old, like an old carnival house style as they're discovering these rooms just that that old i always picture like house mirrors and just stuff like that at carnivals when as they're going through it um in there they find a gelatinized green uh green encased in cotton candy uh they find a gelatinized jean green encased in cotton candy like cocoon and are spotted by a clown with a k who shoots popcorn at them from a bazooka-like weapon and then chases them, aided by his living balloon dog, which another just cool little thing, the, the, the balloon dog's living. Narrowly escaping to the local police station, they report the incident to one of the officers and uh, De one of the officers in Debbie's ex-boyfriend, Dave Hansen, a, another officer. Mike takes Dave to the site of the ship only to find it has disappeared and left a large crater in its place. They travel, so then they travel to Lover's Lane only to find all the cars abandoned and covered in the cocoon's substance. The clowns begin encasing townspeople in cocoons using toy-like ray guns 
And as they're doing this, several of the clowns perform pranks and mock circus acts. Um, that actually, it's kind of cool. They're doing these circle circus acts and these things, and but they're they're leading to people's deaths. So they they take like a dark turn on your typical sort of you know happy-go-lucky clown stuff, which I just love. So Mike and Dave witness a clown using shadow puppets to shrink a crowd of people, then dump them into a bag full of popcorn, um, which are revealed to be clowns in larval form. <laughs> I'm sorry. As a read of my notes, I can't help but laugh because I just love this movie so much. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, back at the police station, another clown arrives and Mooney arrests it, believing it to be a teenage prankster, only it's a clown. And... Dave returns to the station to find the place ransacked and the clown using a deceased Mooney as a ventriloquist dummy. Another great scene. He uses the dead body as a, as a dummy like that. Uh, Dave shoots the alien in the nose, which it causes, causes it to spin wildly and explode. I love that scene, too. I'm sounding like a broken record. I love everything about this. It's a great um, movie. It really is. Mike meets with his friends, Rich and Paul Terzini. Uh, they have an ice cream truck, and using their PA speaker on the ice cream truck, they drive around town attempting to warn people of the clowns. At Debbie's house, popcorn full uh, from earlier, popcorn from the earlier encounter with the clowns evolves into juvenile clowns, and they attack her. As she attempts to escape, she is intercepted by the clowns who trap her in a giant balloon. Mike, Dave, and the Terenzies witness Debbie's capture and give chase, following the clowns to a local amusement park where they have where they have relocated their ship. Journeying through the funhouse, the Terenzini brothers become separated after Dave and Mike witness a clown using a drinking straw to drink one of the gelatinized, gelatinized townspeople's blood. They rescue Debbie and flee into a maze full of traps. So the trio then finds themselves surrounded by legions of clowns and we're building the Terenzini arrive in their ice cream truck and use the PA to distract the aliens at this time. A, gar a gargantuan clown marionette, Jojo the Clownzilla, appears and destroys the ice cream truck, seemingly killing them. Dave creates a distraction and Mike and Debbie escape before the ship takes off dave uses his badge to pierce his jojo's nose remember we found that when he shot him in the nose he spun and exploded a clown card drops out of the sky dave emerges along with the terenzi brothers who miraculously actually survived that by hiding in the ice cream truck's freezers moments before it was destroyed and then we see the group watching the fireworks created by the ship's destruction and then Pies fall from the sky and land on their faces. Waka waka. <laughs> um, I love it. I just love it. It's like they they embrace the camp. I when this came out, this was like like I said, it was one of my all time. It's one of my all time favorites. When this came out, I was young. I was eight, and like I didn't fully understand campiness. But this is the movie that made me realize I love camp in movies yep. it, was, it was just because like i said i was eight i didn't have the knowledge i have now about movies hadn't didn't, haven't seen as many and yeah i just loved it what are, you, what are your thoughts on it 
so it's it's funny to me it's it's one of those movies and it's not something you'd really expect from a movie of this caliber campy like this is this is campy at at its peak and it's this movie for me though from seeing it as a kid to seeing it as an adult has not deteriorated at all and a lot of them do but this one hasn't this one is 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 still like the again the true vision of campy it's it's just it's perfect yeah and it's i remember being creeped out by the clowns uh jumbo especially uh <laughs> shorty's pretty good too and the, the, they they have different names i love jojo the clownzilla that's it's it's uh, oh god it was a simpler time when this came out and it was just so good i highly suggest this i feel if, for if you have children maybe 10 12 ish is probably uh i wouldn't go i wouldn't go too much earlier than 10 years old they i i think a 10 year old could totally handle this like i said it's very it's very campy and even the violence is kind of campy so it's yeah. not and you don't have a ton of like jump skiers and stuff like that so this is a good one guys i i highly suggest checking it out love it no, I, I agree 100%, honestly. It's 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 absolutely, it's a great one. And I, I definitely think kids around that age could definitely watch it. It's it's timeless and it's it's kind of a rite of passage, really, I feel like, into the campy world. Yes, agreed. All right. For those brave souls ready for a fright, it's time for the feature. All right, so... I get to talk about it today and i if you know me and you've seen me in person you will know that i have pennywise and uh it stuff Newbolt street sign and ss georgie and both pennywises tattooed on my arm and i i'm fanatical i'm drinking out of a pennywise cup today not that you will probably see that but i am absolutely drinking out of a pennywise cup. Oh, i love it now it is based on the 1986 stephen king novel it it's so funny because like I'm saying the title and I know the title, but it still doesn't feel like I'm saying the title because it's it. But there is a 1990 uh, TV miniseries that came out when I was about seven uh, featuring Tim Curry as Pennywise. And then we go to 2017 when Bill Skarsgård picks up the role of Pennywise in the theatrical version, which is absolutely amazing. And, and it's a new life that I feel like the story absolutely deserved. Um, the base of the story really stays the same between both movies. Uh, it follows the Losers Club. Uh, you have Richie, Bill, Beverly, Ben, Stanley, Mike, and Eddie. And as a kid, sorry, as kids and as adults. And it's them as kids to start. And it's they're taking on a child killing, fear feeding, evil eater of worlds. Um, who basically takes form as a terrifying clown for the most part like that's his go-to thing to be um as kids they take it on and then they come back 27 years later as adults to finish what they started because pennywise is back again and he's taking kids and killing them and it's you know it, it's they vowed and they promised to come back as adults if they needed to and they needed to so the original live action debut was in 1990 and it aired as two episodes on TV. And I was about seven years old and it's funny because I look back and I can remember I lived in an apartment complex 
and you knew which kids were watching it because all of a sudden the woods around the playground became a lot scarier than they were all of a sudden kids weren't going as close to the fence and kids were a little more you know you could absolutely tell which of us had the parents that were letting us watch it and it was really fun to kind of see and talk about i remember talking about it with my friends and it was really cool even to think, think back on it as an adult um there were so many actors in this you, you have really all around you have uh jonathan brandis um james mcavoy john ritter jay ryan uh, just so many people seth green tim, tim reed bill Hader. I, I, I if i name them all i'm gonna need another hour there's so many people in these movies new and old that are just absolutely astoundingly awesome and amazing so i do want to specifically talk about though uh jackson robert scott who plays georgie and this kid is terrifying this is the epitome of horror in a child and he's terrifying and he's in other movies he's in a movie called prodigy which he's a little a little psycho scary like so good it's yeah he's just chilling and there's scenes that he did that were so believable and just he is amazing but i digress again i could do another whole episode just on him but but i won't um so in 2017 and 2019 uh bill skarsgård obviously took on pennywise so we have tim curry and we have bill skarsgård obviously two very different people and they played it two different ways and the movies open up kind of one of the first scenes in the movies that you see is the scene with Georgie and Georgie's brother Bill makes him a boat. He sends him outside and play in the rain. And he puts his little boat in a little rain river that goes down to the storm drain. But in both cases, he can't keep up. He couldn't keep up in the book either. And then the boat goes down a sewer drain, and all of a sudden you hear it. You hear it that that quote, "Hiya, Georgie." And that's it. it you know what's about to happen and if you love these movies like i love these movies you have chills immediately and you know who is there and in both scenes they're great and tim curry has this gruff creepiness about him already but he has like a gruff voice and he's intimidating kind of the whole time he's kind of sweet but he never really leaves that creepy when you first see bill skarsgård you see that creepy initially and all of a sudden you just have this happy clown and he has this like weird sweetness to his voice and he really just kind of pulls you in and he, he makes you want the pop 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 popcorn and you just and you oh you just he's so good at it and at first i didn't want to see the bill skarsgård one because i didn't i love tim curry everybody who sees these movies knows tim curry is it but obviously he couldn't do it he had a stroke in 2012 he could no longer be pennywise much to my broken heart at the time so I took it upon myself to watch Hemlock Grove. Now, Bill Skarsgård is in Hemlock Grove, and I felt like I needed to understand if this man is amazing enough to take on the role. Let me tell you, he is. And he's flawless, and he's perfect. And this Pennywise really is a lot closer to the book. And he's, yeah, they just did such a great job. So now, as I said, Derry is falling victim to something that is taking children and killing them. And, he's, and it's just this evil entity. And the Losers Club specifically is hit very hard when Georgie, who is actually Bill's brother, is one of the ones that is taken. Bill shoulders most of the blame for this in both movies, because again, he sent him outside to play with the boat and pretended to be sick so we didn't have to go with him. 
and that's awful and that's just absolutely awful mm. now he takes a lot of forms he's a werewolf he is uh, he's bev's dad he's a mummy he's ben's dad he's he's just so many different things and he really harbors on the fear and when he impersonates or when he turns into one of the people that you've grown to love in this movie because at one point he actually in both movies turns into bev he takes on bev's form and now you know going in that ben loves bev and your hair is winter fire my heart burns there too or january embers my heart burns there too and you know you just know he loves her so much now in the original she approaches him or it as her approaches him in the hotel and and she's just so nasty to him she says kiss me fat boy and it's awful and you can see you can see his heart just break but at the same time he knows obviously it's not really her and then you go into the newer movies where and you see it as a flashback as something that happened to younger Ben, but younger Ben is in a classroom watching something on the projector and Bev walks in and she's talking to him and she's sweet and she's, you know, talking about the stuff they always talk about. And she's kind of leading him to think that he can kiss her. And you know, Ben wants nothing more than to kiss her. So he leans in and he does it and then she pulls back and she's just this nasty little bitch. And you're like, that's not Bev. At first you think it is, you're like, oh, thankfully thankfully she ignited on fire which sounds awful because obviously he didn't want to see that but you it would almost be more heartbreaking mm -hmm. if he didn't get to see that because then that's just bev being not bev and it's oh, so acting him yeah yeah it's it's awful now do you have do you have preferences between the first and the and the the original and the new ones I so it's funny. I I I do. I I still like the original. Um, I like the new ones too. I I mean they're really, really, really good. The new ones, but I am a sucker for that original. And part of it's because when it came out, the age I was when I first saw it, that shower scene in the locker room, like that, like terrifying me as as a kid because i was probably a little too young when i first saw this to and so um but the new ones are great too yeah how about you it, it's so it's funny and i i feel like i go back and forth because there's so many things obviously I, my nostalgic part of me loves the original ones and and it's and they're amazing and they're great but i really feel like the newer ones gave it a, a new life it gave it so into in 1990 they were really held back by tv standards so like you have for instance you have bev's dad which in the tv movie you know he's doing something messed up to her you know he's not a good guy you're pretty sure you have a good grasp of what's going on but in the movies without all that holding them back you know without it doubt that he is a piece of garbage like you know something is happening you can absolutely see it and, I, and it's great too because i really think uh sophia lillis who plays bev holds that perfectly and she absolutely just the point where she all of a sudden she's like you know what no i'm stronger than this and it and it was done so well but i they couldn't have done that in 1990 and then you have richie who in the new movies is such a foul-mouthed little He's so funny in the new ones. He's just foul mouth, and he was saying stuff 
you could not say on TV in 1990. It just wasn't, you couldn't say most of what he says. Yeah. And then, um, and, and same with Eddie, who in the originals really didn't have much of a sense of humor. He was kind of timid, scared of everything. And he's still scared of everything in the newer movies. But like he, again, he's like a foul mouthed little sarcastic. And it, and it really feel like it added something. So I feel like it's almost like comparing apples and oranges for me because I, I kind of need them both because I, I needed both the embodiments of it. I can see that. Totally. Totally. The ending of the original one obviously was was part that I was like, Ugh. and I think we all kind of felt that we were like, oh, oh no. Yes. Okay. And we dealt with it because it's what we had at the time and it's and it's what we were. <laughs> it's not quite what we were expecting, but you know, it, it did its job kind of. But in the new one, again, with the CGI, and, I, and I'm all for, like, natural effects. I really am. But the CGI in this and what they were able to turn him into and the way they were able to make him move and act and, and just the actors surrounding this was absolutely a whole new, a whole new world. It was a whole new ending, and it was... It was much better. I'm not going to lie. That that the definitely the new end is, is better than the original with that yeah. for sure i 100 yeah. percent agree and i i actually really loved i it's funny because it, it didn't really dawn on me as being different at first like the first time i saw it i actually really loved that it ended up richie loved eddie i love that i i absolutely like that it's just like it adds like a sweetness to richie that there wasn't mm-hmm but it, and I think it's a much needed sweetness because it really kind of, it's, you always love him because he's always just kind of, kind of that sarcastic ass, but it's, it really gave him a heart that you didn't see before. And it was really, really kind of cool. And then, um, but I, I will say one thing that I miss that they did in the first movie a lot, and it was Beep Beep Richie, because that is such an important thing to me. They, and they, I think they only said it two, maybe three times between the two newer movies at all and it, to me that is it's such such an important part of Richie's relationship with everybody oh beep beep Richie okay okay we got a beep beep Richie and they didn't really do it and that bothered me a little so that's absolutely one thing that I think is lacking but one thing that they added to the newer ones that they didn't really have in the beginning it in the first one is when Bill is using, I think it's called a mnemonic device, if I'm not correct, but it's it's a quote or a saying that he has to say repetitively because he's trying to work on his stutter. And it's, he thrusts his fist against the post and still insists he see the, sees the ghost. And that is such, that is one of those quotes for me that is just uh, timeless and, and so important. And it's, it was in the book and it was such a big part of the book and it really bothered me that it wasn't in the original movie. So again, it's, it's like, I, I could take pieces of both of them and I, and I just can't live without either of them. I just, I need them both. I get it. I get it. But, and it's really, uh, that's really what I have. And it's, and it's funny cause I, I went into the whole 2017 it ready to hate it and I was never going to like it and never going to talk about it. And it's awful. And I can't pick between the two of them. So I got a, uh, all things being equal. So by that, I mean, so if they were to make a, a new one right now, um, with, you know, the effects that they can do now and everything, um, and say they hadn't made, hadn't made one, 
at all. So this is the first time that it is being made into a movie or a television show. Gun to your head, Tim Curry, Bill Skarsgård. Oh. Only one, only one can play it. So you, so basically, in this situation, Tim Curry is able to play it, right? Yes, in this situation, all things are equal. Tim Curry, Bill Scott, either of them could play it. We have, and they can do the effects, then the language and everything that they do now. Uh, yes. Oh my God, that's, uh, I thought you were my friend. I, I, I've been holding this one back. I've been holding this back. Okay, all right. So it's funny with the kids, it's all newer kids. I really, I would, I would pick all the newer kids. Yeah. I would pick some of the old, some of the adults from the first one and some of the adults from the second one. Um, but I don't know. I, so if anybody, again, if this ends up on the blooper reel, you will see my face. And this is actually uh, me having a very hard time figuring this out. Very I, pain like, right now. Very pain to having to make this decision. So I'm going to say, I see it's funny because like I, I I look at both of these these men and I'm like and they are so near and dear like in my heart and it's and it's just I feel like I'm gonna hurt one's feelings and they don't give a crap what I think neither of them do I know this um it's I'm ugh, because of how close his Pennywise was to the book because of how I think he pulled it off and that innocence that innocence that he projects that I just didn't feel like Tim Curry projected. I'm, I have to say, Skarsgård, I'm so sorry, Tim Curry. That's I fair. love you so much. But... Hey, that's totally fair. Oh, that, was a tough one. that hurt. That was hard. My my soul hurts. I thought we were better friends than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, I know that was a tough question. I I thought of it. I was like, oh, well, I gotta ask her. Gotta ask her. You would pick Curry, I'm assuming, right? I would. Okay. I would. And, so, and that's perfect because in one world we'll have Curry and the other world we'll have Skarsgård, so that's fine. And to just like to your point, Bill Skarsgård, excellent, excellent in it. Just for me, and I, I think it's also nostalgic, nostalgic feelings I'm having as well. And Tim Curry, who I've gotten to see in recent years and is in tough shape, it, it, it makes me, you know, want to see. Actually, he he was doing. After the stroke, he was doing some cons for a while, and then. But if you wanted his autograph, you had to submit it, and he would send it back to you later because he wouldn't sign yeah. it because he wasn't able to. So yeah, it took too long. So yeah, really, really sad because he was so good. And like I said, Bill Scott, excellent. And it's not to say that's just that's like gun to my head. I got to choose one. I'm going with Curry. So. <sighs> yeah, that was. That was really hard. That was awful. I don't know. I I I got some beef with you now, though. <laughs> That's fine. I'll get over. Um, I don't know. All right. So, red balloons, one to ten. Red balloons. How many do you give? Now, as as a whole or separate, however you want to do it. Okay. Yeah, because that's tough. All right. So. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is tough for me. Uh, so if I were to do it, um, the original TV miniseries, I'm going to go eight because, and it would have been higher, but the spider at the end that, that (laughs) taken down for me, even as a kid, I was like, that was not good. Um, 
Now, the two that have come out recently, I'm going to have to say eight and a half. Just because even though I am a fan of real effects and stuff like that, like you are getting on in your uh, in your descriptions and stuff, the CGI, everything, it, it, it was so good in this that yeah, for me, it enhanced it in that much. So, yeah, I'll say eight and a half on on that. How about you? Okay, well, as a whole, I'm going to yeah. say 10. 10 red balloons as a whole, but if I'm going to break it down, I'm going to go 1990s, TV miniseries first. I'm going to go right off the bat, 9 out of 10 red balloons because it, it's Tim Curry was absolutely the base of my childhood fears and it was, and he was phenomenal and Again, like I said, just remembering watching it and remembering <laughs> picking up the kids that watched it because you all know who we were because we're scared of everything now. And, and you know, and it's, I, I made my brother a toy boat, which my dad wasn't super happy about. And I tried to get him to look at his own brains where we were going on walks, which again, my dad wasn't super happy about. And as a parent, I get it. But, um, That's amazing. so, that. right? Nine out of 10 for Tim Curry's. I'm going to go 10 out of 10 for Bill Skarsgård because he had the luxury of the effects and the none of the holding back of being on TV and all of the glory of being in cinema. I'm going to, I give that one a 10. I so like nine and 10. And I like it too, because Bill Scars got, and I, I didn't really thought about it. it had to be tough for him to pick up the mantle from such an iconic actor, but also make it his own without... <laughs> without coming across as a Tim Curry ripoff. So I, I totally get it because he is, he does a phenomenal job. He really does. And that's tough when you're picking it yeah. up after somebody is just so iconic in that role and everybody knows it. And he does, a, he does a fantastic they job. Were, I love it. They were no pun intended because he's a clown, but they were definitely very big shoes to step into and he, and he filled them and he, and he just did so well. Um, fun fact, like kind of a behind the scenes thing uh, with Tim Curry, uh, he he took a lot of joy and this is not shocking at all if you know anything about Tim Curry or you follow anything. Um, he took great joy in tormenting <laughs> the other actors on set while he was in costume, just <laughs> from either staring at him or sneaking up on or whatever it was and he had a lot of fun on set uh one really cool thing about bill skarsgård's it is he there was less of that because they actually kept kept him hidden from the kids at first so they did not see him and there's a scene where they're in the Nebo host in the first one and he kind of like folds himself out of a fridge i it's such a fucking cool scene he folds himself out of a fridge and he starts going after them. And that is the first time that he saw them. So their reaction to seeing him is the first real reaction to seeing them. And at that part, he's he's over Eddie and like Eddie's arms broken and he's tormenting Eddie and he's doing the big wide open mouth thing. And he's drooling on Eddie so much. And that is drool. That is real 100% Bill Scott saliva pouring all over this kid's and his all over this kid and there's things you, you can read after and in interviews you can see and the kid absolutely acknowledged that he was spit on for 
amazing. The entirety and uh, yeah, it it was it was it's so much fun to read about the behind the scenes stuff on both of them. So if you ever get a chance, Google it, check it out, and it's it's just they're both two totally different experiences, but so funny and so great. Oh, great, so good, love it. All right, I think that's all I got for it. So okay, well, I have the kids' movie recommendation this week. For the <coughs> little ones, it's time for the kids' scare. Okay, this week, guys, I love this one. I mean, I love all of them that, we, that we, we pick films that we love. But this week, the one we're going to recommend for you and your and your kids, and I feel like it's a, a really good um, jumping off point for kids to get get ease into horror. Um, is the 1990 American natural horror comedy film titled Arachnophobia. Love this movie. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, it was directed by Frank Marshall, uh, which happened to be his uh, directorial debut. Um, his screenplay was Don Jacoby and Wesley Strick, and it starred Jeff Daniels and John Goodman. I love them both. Um this was this is early Jeff Daniels, sort of before he blew up after Dumb Dumb and Dumber, um, and John Goodman was just a TV actor, and so this was like the first time for me to see John Goodman outside of the Roseanne show or whatever, and I he was so so good. A little uh, just a quick quick synopsis for you, and this way you guys can decide whether or not this would be appropriate for your kids. Uh, if if you decide it's not and you haven't seen it still check it out it's a lot of fun a great film and maybe in a few years you can introduce it to your kids if they are too young i would say personally about seven eight years old would be okay for this what do you think yeah i'd say about that obviously use your own discretion you know you know your kids if they have i'd say if they have like a like a really big issue with bugs or spiders maybe wait a little bit longer but i mean it's there's nothing super inappropriate in it. There's obviously there's some death, but nothing, nothing yeah. vulgar, you know, nothing graphic really. No. So, so just, I'll give you guys just a brief plot summary after nature photographer, after a nature photographer dies on assignment in Venezuela, a poisonous spider hitches a ride in his coffin to his hometown in rural California. In this town, arachnophobe Dr. Ross Jennings has just moved in with his wife, Molly, and his young son. As the town residents start turning up dead, Jennings begins to suspect spiders, which causes him to have to face his fear. And as he does, he decides to contact and uh, get the help of a no-nonsense exterminator named Delbert McClintock, played by John Goodman, to help fight and stop this deadly infestation. And, yeah, guys, this is, I just, like I said, real beer bones, but it, it's a lot of fun. John Goodman is so good in this, has that no-nonsense sort of surly, funny, but in, in a weird way, weird exterminator, and he just does it so well. I just, I love it. Great soundtrack in this movie. I can't, I can't say enough good things about it, guys. It's, it's just, it's a really good one. Now, for, you know, I'm, I don't like spiders. 
I'm not necessarily arachnophobic, but I don't like spiders. So again, to Shay's point, if you do have a fear of spiders, then maybe you might want to proceed with caution. Um, I will tell you uh, that the spiders that they use, uh, the real ones at least, and not like the big queen, mechanical queen that they had to use, but uh, were they are a breed of spiders that aren't venomous. And obviously, why would they use a venomous spider? But they're also like a very playful spider, apparently. They're- uh, Avondale spiders. Yes, thank you, the Avondales, yes. And uh, yeah, they're they're supposedly very, you know, kind of docile and yeah, yeah, docile, perfect docile spiders. So, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I think, like I said, seven to eight, I I think is perfect for this, and I really think you'll have a lot of fun because there is, like I said, comedy horror. I love the genre of comedy horror where you can infuse infuse comedy into horror to kind of add some levity to kind of take off that edge and they sort of walk that line really well in my opinion in this in this movie and it helps that john goodman is just an all-time and jeff jeff daniels are all-time great actors they can do drama they can do comedy i mean these guys can do it all so uh you will not be disappointed what do you think of the film it's so i loved it it was great. And I actually, I was kind of a mean kid and my, I have a grandmother who was uh, very, very scared of spiders. So whenever she asked, like if she was over watching us or sleeping over or whatever, she'd ask us what we wanted to watch. Me and my, me and one of my little brothers was like, oh, arachnophobia, sure. Why not? Because, <laughs> you know, why not torture the poor old lady who's just being nice and trying to be your, your sweet grandma? Um, but I liked it a lot, and it's. I will tell you to this day. Every once in a while, I'll see it on, or I'll, or I'll turn it on, or whatever. It my skin still crawls, and it's. And I know I I constantly talk about like sounds and movies and stuff like that, but there's parts where they like really kind of hone in on like the little scurryings. I got like chills thinking about it. <laughs> I'm like literally convulsing thinking about it, but like you can hear the little. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I have. I'm itchy all over right now. Go on. I get it. No, that's. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I I totally get it because yeah, just that the the creepiness and yeah, if you're afraid of spiders, those scenes with when there's the bit like the lots of spiders in that in those scenes, I can totally see if you do have an arachnophobia that you might want to or at least get those scenes because it's uh, like I said, I'm not arachnophobic, but I don't like spiders. And so it's yeah, a little scurrying across and stuff is good. But that's a great point. I mean, sound effect, they, they totally enhance the movie and it's, uh, it, it's a really important aspect. So yeah didn't you uh so i did you um we can edit this out did you want to tell your oh that's your right, that's right. Thank, yeah. you. thank you so and so as you're as shay is itching it reminds me of a time uh so in i used to act a little bit or quite a bit actually i used to I used to be one of theater. i have a, a bachelor of fine arts in theater perform performance and uh in college we were doing a play uh called Suburbia, which is a movie as well with Parker Posey and Steve Zahn. Uh, cool movie written by Eric Bogosian, great, great playwright um, uh, about these suburban kids. And basically the whole movie takes place 
at this like 7-Eleven or Quickie Mart type area in the parking lot or in the store. And uh, in college, that's what it was. And the set, and it was, it was an amazing set. We had like, we built basically a, a fully functioning 7-Eleven that you could walk through and get stuff off the count, you know, uh, out of the aisles and we had cash registers. It was amazing. This bit of part and part of the set was like the parking lot where there was a dumpster and, you know, other stuff. And uh, just as amazing, like, if you saw this set, you'd be like, is this Broadway? It was just, we had an amazing theater program, one of the best in, in, in the country and one of the best on the East coast as well. And uh, so during rehearsals, one time we came in, and there is just this spider web and it's over the whole set coming from coming from the ceiling where the lights are and everything coming down over the 7-eleven over the dumpster just it is just covered i've never seen a spider web this massive before and obviously we're like what is going on this is freaky blah 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 we call over because it's out of college so we call over uh they make a call over to the etymology um department and they send over some of the people majoring in the etymology it turns out it was some it was actually some sort of rear spider and they're wet and this they cre create this giant giant web and everything so they were able to remove it the spider successfully and then we got we were able to get that hue you know clean it get the get the web down and everything but as shay's talking, even talking about it now yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm itching so if we're doing rehearsals later that night and i have this scene where i come from off stage and i'm running and i have to jump into the dumpster with a bag of weed because i'm being chased by the cops because i just bought weed and uh so i jump through the side door and I have to pop out the top and, you know, I got the bag of weed for everybody and I'm like, eh, whatever. And uh, so I don't realize it, but as I pop out and I am, because a big part of the spider web was above this dumpster going into it and stuff. I, I pop out, I'm just itching, but I'm saying my lines, I got the weed and everything and I'm just, just itching all over and just like, you know, turning my head and all that just, and uh, I don't realize it. And I hear laughing from like the director in the stands and a couple of people, assistant director. And then I hear more laughing and it's coming from people in the light booth because they're laughing so hard. And I'm like, what the fuck are they laughing at? And apparently I did this for the next, you know, hour and a half or whatever the play that when I'm just itching and itching and just freaked out. And I didn't know until the end while everybody's laughing. They're like, dude, you don't even realize you were so freaking freaked out by this, that you were just itching and just twitching and just going crazy. I was like, I didn't even notice. I just like, mm -hmm. oh, cause I had to jump into that dumpster where I knew they were at and it was just, oh, so. Yeah. So again, I don't have arachnophobia, but not a fan of spiders. So anyway, that is arachnophobia, guys. Definitely, definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun. And that's what I got. You got anything else you want to talk about on it? No, I think that's it. Yeah, I agree. It's a great movie, and it's and it's an awesome kind of jumping off point. So it's a good place to start. Happy itching. Yeah, I love it. Happy itching. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Meet us at the snack bar next week when Poltergeist is on the big screen. Until then, sweet dreams. Thanks, guys. Bye. As always.
Podcast. Thank you for listening. Feel free to reach out to your hosts by email at scareyourpantsoff9 at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Be sure to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications wherever you get your podcasts. If we haven't scared you away yet, you're our kind of people. So check under your bed and keep your feet under the covers and those closet doors shut. <laughs> Until next week, my friend.